For our sermon text, we're looking at Isaiah 40, as you heard it read earlier. And before we dive in, let's pray. Lord, bless the study of your, of your word. Open our hearts to hear it and take it and receive it and believe and have faith in you and your grace towards us. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the opening line of Isaiah 40 may be familiar words. I'm sure this is a favorite chapter for many. Those familiar words, comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. And to comfort someone is to to give them strength and aid and hope in their troubles. And we could think here for a second here about our own lives. And who has given you real comfort in your life? And I think back on my life, and some of the first people I think of, of course, are, are my parents. Um, I think of teachers and coaches, my wife, um, people who gave real help. And, and sometimes giving comfort is, is just being there, being present and listening. But sometimes we need real help. <laughs> we need real help in our lives. And that help, that kind of help is sometimes hard to find. You have to sometimes seek it out and ask for it. And it's a rare treasure when someone comes to you and says, I'm here for you. Whatever help you need, call me. I will be there. Now, that's a rare treasure. And the prophet Isaiah here says that God is saying that to you. He's saying, comfort, comfort my people. God has real hope and aid and help for his people. And the manner of this comfort is talked about, first talked about in verse 2. He says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So God says, speak tenderly. And this means to, to speak to the heart, to persuade, to woo. God has a word for your heart today. Will you hear it and receive it? How will you respond to his good news? Because he comes with grace and mercy and love. He says to her, cry out, shout it out, good news. What events in your life were so good you just had, you had, you wanted to shout it out to everyone around you? Uh, maybe it was when you got engaged. To be, I remember when I was planning, when I was preparing to propose to Rachel, and it was, uh, she was on a trip in, in, in Glacier National Park in Montana with several of her friends, and she did not know I was coming, and I was going from Minnesota to Chicago to ask her, her parents' permission first. And so, and so once I was on my travel, and, the, and her and her girlfriends, they were already gone there, then I knew, okay, I've been holding this secret. I don't want anyone to know my, my secret plan to propose. But now that they're gone, I can, I can let this out. I can let people know. And so I'm riding the Metra train from Chicago to Rachel's hometown, and there's this mom and her teenage daughter sitting across from me, and what are you doing today? Where are you going today? And it was like, oh, let me tell you what I am doing today. <laughs> and um, 
The whole story is, takes too long to share here. You could ask me some other time. It's epic. But I just want to capture that moment, that emotion. Oh, let me tell you. I want to shout it out. I want to tell everyone. I'm going to propose today. <laughs> and, uh, but there's other things, of course, right, that just make us want to shout out. It can be the day of your wedding, the birth of a child. But other things beyond family, too. It can be the paying off of student loans or the paying off of other debts. That can be a day for shout it out. I will, I'm debt free. <laughs> you know, those can be great occasions for shouting out joy. But there's also news that affects more than just one individual, but affects towns, countries, whole nations. And, and few things are good news for a whole nation more so than the end of war. And and I, I think right now of Ukraine, and, and I don't know how that war is going to end, but it, it looks like it keeps moving it closer to an actual end, and, and an end that will be favorable for Ukraine. But I'm just I'm, I'm praying that it will end completely and unconditionally for Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. I'm praying that her borders would be restored, that warfare within her country would be gone, would just would not be there for those people. Um, and of course, I, I mean, I want warfare to end for all people involved with it too, but since Ukraine was the one invaded, I especially want them <laughs> to have, and, and I, I want it to be a real end, of course, not, not just a, you know, a, something that dissolves into a little border conflict that just never, that stays con active at the border and never really ends. No, we want it to be a, a true end. And when that end happens, that'll be a reason for all of the people there to cry out, good news, their warfare will be ended. And God cries out to all his people, your warfare is ended. And if you look in your Bibles, many of your Bibles will have a footnote next to that word warfare and, and showing that it can be translated also as hardship or hard service. So this word can can be used for, it, it can, can cover a lot of things, such as conscripted military service or, or any hard service for another. And the reality is sometimes, different seasons of life, we do hard service. Now, fortunately, in, in America today, we enjoy great freedom and we don't usually don't endure overtly public bondage, public hard service, um, but that is a stark, harsh reality for many other parts of the world and, and some parts of our world. And, but we still experience hard service in different ways. Um, and as I said earlier, paying off debts. I mean, that can be, that can feel like, that can be experience of hard service for decades of your life sometimes to pay off that debt. Um, it doesn't allow every, you know, it doesn't allow any other part of your life to move forward really until it's gone. But other things too can be hard service. It might be a, a battle with a chronic disease or with mental illness. Addictive substances can enslave people's lives. Sin and vice can enslave your heart and mind, and therefore your life. And this particularly is the hard service that Jesus came to deal with because sin in your heart will conscript you into its service against God. 
And our selfishness will become, it becomes idolatry and coveting. And we will either worship false gods or we will try to make ourself God. And there, when that happens, we will covet and lie and steal and do injustice to one another. And we will war against God and his righteous ways. And that's the, the hard service that sin puts us onto. But God says now that that warfare is ended. And God declares, your iniquity is pardoned. It has been atoned for and paid in full. So, so even if you felt inclined to go back and make it right and make a payment on that debt of sin, you would find that your payment could not be received because it's been fully paid off and that account doesn't exist anymore. That, the account for that debt doesn't even exist. So the only thing you can offer then at this point is gratitude for the grace and mercy that has paid it off. And that gratitude is owed to God because God paid it off on your behalf. The verse says, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The Lord provided this payment. He wiped out the debt by paying it himself. And by his payment, he ended your warfare and your hard service. And he paid double <laughs> So the debt is completely satisfied. Nothing can be added to it in any way. That debt can never come back and ask anything from you. That is good news indeed. And verses 3 through 5 then introduce a new character, an unidentified voice of one crying in the wilderness, saying, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And these are examples of how people prepare for the arrival of a king. They prepare the route for him by removing all obstacles and barriers so he can come by the simplest, most direct, quickest route unhindered. So they make a straight highway through the desert. They fill in the valleys. They, lower, they carve down the mountains so that the king and his convoy, there's no danger of falling and slipping off into the ditch. There's no hard, difficult climb up the mountain. They make it as easy as possible. And I think of the way our, our cities plan their roads. And, and I think even of our own, our own twin cities years ago when they were preparing for the 2018 Super Bowl. I mean, they were preparing years in advance, um, even with the, with the stadium, but also with preparing the roads, making sure they were big enough, wide enough, that everyone can turn the right way, that everyone can get where they need to go without complication advanced preparation for what was coming to make sure everything would have a smooth arrival. And in this case, why not make this preparation? This is the king who has won your freedom and is coming with his reward for you. So let's make him welcome. Let's get him here as fast as we can. Remove every obstacle. There's no appreciation too big we can show. And the Gospel of Matthew tells us 
who this voice is that's declaring this message. Matthew chapter 3, 1 through 3 says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. The gospel connects us directly here. So the Lord who is coming, who we're preparing for, is Jesus Christ our Lord who has come. And John the Baptist is his prophet proclaiming his coming. And so we, we prepare for his coming then not by literally building roads and filling in valleys and lowering mountains. We prepare the way by turning our hearts to him. So the question is, will you let him come in to your heart? Into your heart? He comes with, with a tender persuasion and good news. Or will you shut the door? Because he's, he's coming to fret, set you free from sin and begin a new work in your heart. And since so he's coming with good news and with his reward, so, so repent and, and get out of his way. Repent of sin and repent of unbelief. And the high mountain of proud hearts must be lowered in humility and repentance. And the lowly and discouraged, well, they will be raised up and given hope and faith and encouragement. And verse 5 reminds us that there is something worth waiting for. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It says the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord shall be revealed. His glory, His presence is your light and your salvation and your rescue. It's, it's the joy of everything you are longing for. And the coming of 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 presence and light and joy coming to the rescue. This reminds me of, of some of the stories from the Lord of the Rings books. And, and one of the, the stories that they use a lot in there is unexpected help coming in the middle of the darkest hour. And my, my favorite one is called the Battle of Helm's Deep. And there's a small, motley, untrained band of defenders. They're defending this old, worn-out fortress. They've done this through dark nights over and over again. But their friend Gandalf had, to Gandalf had told them he was coming with help on the, at first light on the morning of the third day. He would come with help. And after many dark nights, when they're just about to be overwhelmed, on the, up over the, hill, of the rise of the hill with the, with the dawn of the light comes Gandalf, he had gathered all the scattered horse soldiers and brought them back. And then they come down with the light, come riding down out of the mountains, and they sweep the invaders away. And for the defenders there, that light and that presence, that was rescue. And there, there was glory in that light, and, uh, but real hope and rescue as well. And I, I think of that story, and then, and then I think of this promise here, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The glory of God's presence will come. 
and all people will experience it together. And for God's people, it will be the light, the glory of hope and rescue. And this promise is is from the very mouth of God. It is certain. It will be. And then in verse 6, another voice cries out. And this voice voice gives some maybe perplexing comfort. (laughs) It says, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And at first, this may not sound like comfort, because who wants to be told that your life is like withered grass? Who wants to be told that your beauty is like a faded flower? But this illustration is comparing much more than our individual human lives. It is illustrating whole civilizations. And so if if you are putting your, your ultimate hope and faith and trust in the strength and glory of your own nation, however noble or worthy, that will someday wither and fade. But you can trust in God's word that will stand forever and never wither or fade. It is a source of life and glory that never runs dry. And there is more comfort here. It also tells us that the power, the glory of those who Oppose God, those who oppress you, their power will also wither and fade. And so their their empire, their movement has an expiration date. And in the social tides we're feeling in our culture that might just feel unstoppable. But God says they will also one day wither and fade. But the word of our God will stand forever. And that is a a truth that is also a a victory cry. The word of our God will stand forever. The word of our God will stand forever. And the appropriate response to that truth comes in verse 9. It says, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice, With strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. God's word now calls upon those who have heard the good news to share the good news, to go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Shout it out with strength and confidence. Shout it fearlessly. Tell your fellow people, behold your God. And this is not an abstract idea about God. 
This is saying, look right here. He has come. Here he is, our God. He is with us. And so this phrase, behold your God, this is a cause for amazing joy. And think about this for a second, because whatever is your God, or you're trying to fill in the blank with what, for something to function as your God, is what, that is whatever you look to for help. It is what you worship as the highest good, and it's what gives purpose to your life. So to, to behold your God is to experience the realization of all your hopes and dreams and longings. And he's saying, behold your God, the real thing for all people is here. Your every need is met. Your highest good enjoyed. The highest purpose fulfilled. So it means to be, if that's all there, then, then you're complete and whole, which is the core meaning of peace and being at peace. So if we accept this, this simple phrase with the fullness of its meaning, it should cause our hearts to race with anticipation and joy. If you hear the phrase, behold your God, that should cause every head to, to stop and turn and look and run and say, let's go. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> behold your God, let's go. And if we turn to him and behold him, what will we behold? Well, he says, he comes as the strong man, the one who is strength itself. His arm rules for him. He, does, he doesn't delegate to another. He will act himself in his own strength. And he comes with his reward. And this is his reward to his faithful people, those who have endured and waited for him to come and rescue. This reward is a gift from him by his grace, not for anything we have done. And he also brings his recompense. This is the compensation of both the oppressor and the oppressed. He comes with compensation he comes with the punishment that the oppressor has earned. And he also comes to compensate the oppressed for everything they have lost, to restore that which was lost. So God comes with compensation and with reward. And his own strengths shall do it so we can be sure nothing can stop it. And it, the verses... Likewise, don't stop there. God will also care for each of you according to your needs. Verse 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And this verse shows us the tender heart of God towards you. God has a, must have a special place in his heart for shepherds and the way shepherds care for sheep because God uses this illustration throughout Scripture. God will tend his flock. He will guide them on the safe path and lead them to good 
pasture and life-giving water. And the lambs that are too weak to walk, God will carry them himself. And he will carry them in his bosom. He will carry them close to his heart. He will give them intimate, loving care. He is concerned for the needy and the vulnerable. He sees those who are with young, the pregnant and the nursing. He doesn't drive them beyond their ability. He gently leads them at a pace they can handle. He finds the route that is best for them. And I think many of us, probably all of us, need to hear this today. I need to hear this today. God knows your needs. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your every discouragement. He knows what is overwhelming you. He knows when you're burnt out and can't handle one more thing. And to you, he says, I am your good shepherd. I will guide you, nourish you, and carry you. And God will guide you in just the way you need so that you find your true life and true peace and wholeness in him. And we know this is true because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to fulfill all these promises. Jesus is the one who speaks tender comfort to you. Jesus is the one who died on the cross for you. He is the double payment that atones for your iniquity. He's the one who ends your hard service to sin. John the Baptist was the voice in the wilderness crying, prepare the way of the Lord. And he pointed to Jesus and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus is God coming to you. And Jesus is the one who speaks the gospel to us. His word, his word prepares our hearts for God to come in when we would not prepare ourselves. And he is the glory of God revealed to mankind. He is the fullness of God dwelling bodily with us as one of us. And he's the one who frees you from the kingdoms that wither and fade and brings you into God's kingdom that stands forever. And he does this by his word, the word that his death and resurrection has forgiven your sins. And that's the word that stands forever, that stands every day. And Jesus is the Lord God coming with might and his arm rules for him. He came himself to overcome the enemies that we cannot defeat ourselves, sin and death. He came as one of us so that he could die as one of us in your place. But he was also God with us. And so he conquered death and sin by rising from the dead. And there is nothing God cannot rescue you from. He is your good shepherd and he will always rescue you and he will lead you to a good pasture. And so the birth of Jesus Christ, the coming of Christ, is truly a cause for great rejoicing. He is God with us. In him, those words, behold your God, have come true. They are realized. As the Christmas carol says, the hopes and fears of all the years 
are met in him tonight. So all our longings and dreams, every good purpose is complete in him. But also in the birth of Jesus, we see the gentle care of God. Because God shows his compassion for you by making himself as vulnerable and as dependent as we are. Because Jesus, who was an unborn baby, carried in his mother's womb. Jesus was a baby carried in his mother's arms who needed, who depended upon his parents for everything. He fully experienced the human condition, but without sin. And so whatever your struggle is, whatever is discouraging you, Remember, these words are for you. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. I pray that you hear his words, see his love for you, and let him be your good shepherd. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for these words of comfort and may we receive them and hear them and take them to heart and put our faith in your love and kindness for us given through your son, Jesus Christ, born to us as as our savior. And may we remember this and keep it in mind and may it encourage us and give us hope every day. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.